Good morning. Welcome to With God at Dawn. This morning our reading is speaking about the devices of worldliness. And our verse is 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for not ignorant of his devices. And one of those devices is worldliness, isn't it? Solomon says, he that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Proverbs 28, 26. There's hundreds of such to be found among professors of godliness, says the apostle. We are not ignorant of his or Satan's devices. Oh, what art, what skill, what cunning is exercised to lead the professed followers of Christ to a union with the world by seeking for happiness and the amusements of the world under the delusion that some good is to be gained. And thus the unguarded walk right into the net, flattering themselves that there's no evil in the way. How can I endure the thought that most of the youth in this age will come short of everlasting life? Oh, that the sound of instrumental music might cease and they no more while away so much precious time in pleasing their own fancy. Oh, that they would devote less time to dress and vain conversation and send forth their earnest, agonizing prayers to God for a sound experience. There's great necessity for close self-examination in the light of God's word let each one raise the inquiry, Am I sound? Or am I rotten at heart? Am I renewed in Christ? Or am I still carnal at heart with a new dress put on the outside? Reign yourselves up to the great tribunal and in the light of God, examine to see if there be any secret sin that you are cherishing, any idol that you have not sacrificed. Pray, yes, pray as you have never prayed before, that you may not be deluded by Satan's devices. This really sounds like that the prophetess is, the messenger of God is really trying to help us enter into the Day of Atonement experience. The time of atonement began in 1844 and will continue until Jesus comes and it will be fulfilled. And... The work of the people during the Day of Atonement that happened in Israel was self-examination. And Zechariah told us that God would send us Elijah in the great and terrible Day of the Lord. He promised a prophetess in the end times. And she came and she did what Elijah did. He warned the people to repent and turn from their sin and to search their hearts, didn't she? And so did he not just somebody who claims to tell the future like many prophets and prophetesses do with a certain percentage rating of success god's prophet will have 100 percent rating of success and on uh, everything will come true that she says or he says so here she is she's warning us to search our hearts to rein ourselves up to the great tribunal and to search our hearts in the light of god because this is how serious it is we have because of worldliness, we have become apathetic, kind of. There might be another word, but 
pray, she says, yes, pray as you have never prayed before, that you may not be deluded by Satan's devices. Surely the foundation of your hope of everlasting life cannot be laid too sure, while those around us may be vain and engaged in pleasure-seeking and folly. Our conversation is in heaven whence we look for the Savior. The soul is reaching out after God for pardon and peace, for righteousness and true holiness. Expel sin from your heart, for sin caused the death of the Son of God. Jesus died, dear youth, not to save you in your sins, but from your sins. So it sounds like our reading this morning was a warning. You know, our generation saw huge changes in the overall worldliness of society in general. Right? I mean, I was born in 1953 in an isolated high elevation valley surrounded by 7,000, 8,000 foot mountains. And people were still operating on a really old-style way of thinking. I turned 70 this year, and uh, in the fall. And I can go visit that same valley. I can go over there. It's like three hours away from me. And it still seems like they're years behind because of their isolation. And yet, the worldliness is really, really obvious in people's dress and behavior, their, their conversation, the manner of speech so all the Wi-Fi and um, cell phone data whatever people are listening to and seeing the exposure of the young people to the ways of the world so let's change the future of that valley forever because they've been exposed to some things worldliness the media hype and exposure has woken the sleeping nature of the youth to lust and self-serving and gratification, numbing their brains, retarding spiritual growth. And that's not, you know, that's just one little spot on, on the globe. This doesn't uh, prepare them to take on the responsibilities of, say, parenthood or um, useful membership in their society. How can they be ready to meet God? Worldliness as a device of Satan has been really powerful in causing devastating desolation of functional, devout workers for Jesus. How many people are now doing that work? Not only this, but also the ones who are workers for Jesus have had so much exposure to it that it no longer appears evil or dangerous to them like it used to be. People had a clearer idea of what sin was and how it presented itself. So the question arises, well, what's the problem? Dressing or eating or being entertained this way is not committing a crime or hurting anyone, is it? You see, we've been exposed to it so much that we just don't see um, the sin in it and how it can be like poison to our system. But what is the underlying principle of it? It's self-serving with very little self-discipline and uh, not thinking of anyone else, you know, living a life caring for your responsibilities in your family and your children and your neighborhood. And this is just taking care of yourself and finding ways to extract from your family and your neighborhood and your surroundings things to please yourself. So uh, if, if we were training for the Olympics, what would our daily practice be? Our diet, our dress, 
our sleep patterns, our, our conversation, subject matter, meditation, um, what, what are the self-indulgent training for? Those who are self-indulgent, what are they training for? It's not the Olympics. They're filling their mind and body with trash. You know, we think about processed food and the news is just processed information that processed by somebody else's brain. They've thought it through and we don't know if their conclusions are correct, but just like eating cornflakes or processed food, getting processed news, we don't use our, our brains much to think. Will the redeemed have a different class of training or what will their practice be? Those who are redeemed and in heaven wearing Christ's robe of righteousness because they put it on. They've come to Jesus and surrendered and gotten the trash away from the door of their heart so they could open the door so he could come in. I infer from all of this that the message that that once we accept Jesus, we're saved no matter how we live, is dangerous. For it does not give us a practice of life that will prepare us to be among those who live the victorious life of faith in the righteousness of Christ. Faith in the righteousness of Christ is the deal, isn't it? It's not just faith that Jesus died and to save me. It's faith in his righteousness and ability to save. And um, it actually changes our lives by our daily training and our choices. Wow, choice, man. There it is. That's the most expensive gift that we have ever received. It costs the life of Jesus. God gave us choice. We can choose to be obedient. We can choose to to do with our mind and our thoughts and our everyday time that we've been given. We can choose what we do. Will it glorify God or will it? You know, there actually is no middle ground. Whatever we do is either going to go on one side or the other, building or destroying. So I don't mean to be so heavy, but that, that was our topic today. And I found a promise, Isaiah chapter 61, verse 10. And it actually is a comfort. Isaiah 61, 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he hath clothed me with the garment of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments. And as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. Now, it's interesting how it... It kind of changes tone here. First of all, it says, He has clothed me. He hath covered me. And then it says, The bridegroom decks himself, and a bride adorns herself. So he has given us the jewels and the clothing, and we put it on. And our part, I think James kind of goes into how that works in the book of James. But um, we cooperate with him, and he does the work. And we do our part. And so sometimes it can feel confusing, but um, just it's pretty simple. Go to Jesus and ask him to do that for you. And be willing to surrender anything that he asks you to, to stop and to deny yourself of. Let's close with prayer today. Dear Jesus, we want to be clothed with your righteousness and with your salvation. And today we are willing, I and these who are here with me today, we're willing. We want to lay aside all the processed things in the world that the worldliness and the devices of things that take us away from you in mind and heart help us to lay them down 
take a vacation from them and come to you that you can work in our heart. Help us to appreciate your word. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. God bless you, brothers and sisters. Thanks for joining me today.